Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News 74. It's Friday, February the 4th. Thank you for joining us. Coming up on today's show, mandates coming and mandates going all around the world. We're going to be looking at the UK dropping theirs for the care staff, Canada not dropping theirs and uh, as a result Trudeau's now got Covid and we've all seen the remarks where it said yeah well, I've heard that Covid is like getting hit by a truck which of course is a joke against Trudeau. We'll see how long he hangs on over there in Canada. Another big story proving what any one of this, uh, my listeners would know. Lockdown isn't really a productive form of infection prevention and certainly its costs outweigh its benefits. That's nothing new you've been listening to the previous 73 episodes of this podcast or even when I covered it back with Craig Campbell back in when it's all kicked off in 2020. Also the Joe Rogan Neil Young affair. Do you remember I said as well a few months ago I wasn't calling this particular event I was just saying there's only so far Joe Rogan can keep telling the truth before the mainstream media attack him. Uh, mainly because of advertising revenue and just the truth. But if you've got a massive truther, Joe Rogan's audience now dwarfs the mainstream media in the United States, I believe. Now, worth mentioning that you've only got the data to watch from the United States, whereas Joe Rogan on Spotify is worldwide, but still, you get the idea. And what happens when the liars lied? When the liars' lies are called out by smart people backed up by smart people and the truth is heard more than a lie well they get very upset and we're going to look at some of the little strings that they've been pulling the whole neil young fiasco we're going to look follow the money the old classic trail to anything whether it's joe rogan or anything in life follow anything that smells a rat follow the money so we're going to be going doing that on the show as well today so let's get into our third story here in so the UK has dropped their mandates. There's no need for me to read out that for my mainstream news. It's all over the news here in the UK. I said as well, didn't I? I'm going to be saying this quite a bit on this podcast, but I did say there's no way this is going to go through without it blowing up massively in their face. And I narrowed it down to one of two options: one, the UK would back, the UK government would back down, or two, it would blow up massively in their face. Uh, the NHS would be destroyed, the public would turn on them and they wouldn't allow it to be privatised. And um, so they, they've gone for the lesser of the nuclear options and backed down. So they've tried it on, backed down. For, and I think they backed down for a number of reasons. One, I think the main one was it was spectacularly going to go blow up in their face. And the uh, uh, two, uh, oh, it has already backed up, uh, backfired in their face in a beautiful way that I just want to point out to you. There, I knew someone that had, uh, and I never named sources without their permission, that had the two jabs, was a vehement pro-vacciner. Uh, they are not a listener to this podcast. In fact, they ridiculed quite a lot on the podcast. Uh, you know, we still get on and everything because I can get on with people that disagree with me. I'm not I'm not uh, part of the modern day left. I hate it as so you've offended me. Oh, please, I want to destroy you. I would much rather curtail your free speech than control my emotions. I will not accept responsibility for my own thoughts. It's your fault. Anyway, I'm not one of them modern lefties. I'm the old school lefty, you know, the... Dennis Kucinich, Tony Benn, Tulsi Gabbard kind of uh, thing, which more and more today gets called right wing, doesn't it? <laughs> but anyway, I, I veer off. I'm going to try and get through as many articles here today as possible. But they had to back down. And uh, oh, sorry, the story where the person was telling it. So here's how it backfired massively. I have been trying to get through to them for two years. Have a look at this data. Have a look at that. I'm not looking at that nonsense. I'm not looking at your conspiracy theories. I'm not interested. Anyway, they're not getting their booster. And I'd like my jaw dropped. Like, what? Like, you are really, really pro-vax. And what are they supposed to... Well, I saw... When, when I heard about the government having to back down on the mandates because so many doctors and nurses weren't taking it, that's when I thought... 
maybe I shouldn't take it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're not getting it. So uh, we've read out that the booster rate take up is really low, really, really low. And of course, it wasn't as um, offered as, and they weren't as forthcoming with all the um, offerings as the first two jabs and everything like that. But I'm telling you, this, yeah, this whole vaccination thing, those rates are now going to be so low. I know so many people that had two jabs and aren't taking a third. If you're a new listener to this podcast, welcome to Beyond the News. There will be no such I told you so's here. What we are, you are probably in a situation where you feel a variety of things, and I don't want to, I'm not psychic. But I'm going to imagine that one of them is you're feeling conned and you you're trying to figure out whether this whole vaccine thing was a massive bunch of incompetence or whether something more nefarious is going on. Well, you've come to the right place. I believe it's the latter of two options, but I won't be ramming that down your throat. If you want to think it's general incompetence, I won't be taking the mickey out of you for doing that. It's all about coming together on what we can agree on on this podcast. And I think what we can agree on now is, well, the majority of people that I speak to who had the second jab have not taken the booster. And they're quite, they range at the spectrum from, oh, I'm not sure to I'm definitely not taking it because I now figure out what the agenda is. And they've completely woken up. And I know a couple of you listeners have certainly joined the Telegram group like that. Again, won't name any names. and But most in the middle are like, oh. If there are all those doctors and nurses not taking it and it doesn't protect you from COVID and I've heard that there could be these side effects you know what I'll pass on it I'll take I'll take my 99% survival rate and also if the first two didn't do its job properly why should I trust the third that tends to be the majority opinion um, you know that's fine we don't cover any tinfoil hat stuff here we cover mainstream news on beyond the news that may imply a conspiracy but we stick to mainstream news having said that i will be reading off wikipedia later but generally we stick to mainstream news so this is how it would have gone if the uk nurses and staff didn't stand up and we didn't stand up for them this is from politico austria's vaccine mandate to apply from february the first unvaccinated people face police checks and fines of up to three thousand six hundred euros from mid-march yeah, that's proper fascism, like hardcore fascism. That you think Boris Johnson is bad. This is this is another level. Austria will make coronavirus vaccination mandatory from February. The government confirmed Sunday, presenting the final version of the draft law at press conference on Sunday. Chancellor Karl Nehammer sought to reassure Austrians that this is not about the battle of vaccinated versus unvaccinated but rather to underscore that vaccination is the best guarantee for us to live together in freedom absolutely no data suggests that is the case the mandate first announced in november but if you can you can still get it if you've got the vaccine there's a debate going on whether it lowers your symptoms all right but it's not a guarantee for us to live together in freedom it's not it's a guarantee it's a it's a possibility that some of you may not cough as hard and some of you may survive a bit more. A possibility of that. So what will the Austrians do? They've seen the Canadians take a stand on the mandated at the truckers. The British took a stand at the vaccine passports. Um, I'm, I'm surprised we've got off as lightly as we have in the UK, to be honest. I, I think it's a small minority that have been very, very diligent. Um, and uh, I'm going to look to try and get as many of that small minority on this podcast as possible. The lawyers, the doctors that overturn this stuff, because uh, they, they played their part. Where is this all happening in Austria? If there are any Austrian listeners, and of course they'd have to speak English because I don't speak, um, was it Austrian or German? Um, yeah, could have done, but 70 years ago it went our way. So I'm not speaking German, I don't speak German. But if there's a, that's a cheap joke, but if there's any Austrians that want to give light to what on earth is going on in your country and why there isn't some kind of, even the UK and the Canadians stood up. You know, the state stood up pretty quickly. 
and certainly certain states of the United States have stood up quicker than others as well. And some have failed, but oh, blimey, two years on and they still think the jab's going to protect them and bring them their freedom. The law takes effect on February the 1st, but pleach checks won't be carried out until March 15th. Unvaccinated people then face a penalty of around €600 Euros and up to €3,600. For what? For just being alive? If the government plans to set another deadline after March and set out reminders to the unvaccinated, who may then face another round of fines. In total, those not complying with the mandate can be fined up to four times a year. A fine will be dropped if the recipient gets vaccinated within two weeks of receiving the penalty notice. Austria's parliament has still to vote on Thursday on the vaccination mandate, but the law is expected to pass. Right, well, all those politicians need voting out then. About 73.5% per, 73 of Austrians are fully vaccinated, slightly above the EU average. Yeah, uh, that's roughly what I'd say the UK is, isn't it? I mean, the numbers sway between mid-60s and 70s, don't they? So we, why, why? Hitler, Hitler was born in Austria. And it looks like the vaccine fascism will be born there as well. Austrians, stand up. I know that, I mean, when I went to Germany, what a wonderful country. Everything ran on time. They're like androids in a way. But, you know, you've got to have, don't follow every order. Anyway, so, yeah, what... That's still about 30% of the country. And let's go down that road further. Is that going to have to be boosters all the time to keep on to that? And you'll be fined four times a year. Well, they've already brought in this unlaw. I mean, it's a breach of the Nuremberg Code. I mean, we've held numerous um, solicitors and barrister comments about coercion and all that kind of stuff. We covered that. Unbelievable. But what's to stop them going, um... And again, this isn't a prediction. I'm just asking the theoretical concept. Well, it was four times a day, four times a year. Now it's every day. Oh, well, what are you going to do about it? If you didn't stand up for the four times a year, what, what makes you stand up? You're going to, yep, it's three thousand six hundred a day, every day. And we're going to make it mandatory for prison. And if you can't afford to pay, we're going to send you to prison. What's to stop them doing that madness? I mean, this is already insane and a breach of the Nuremberg Code, as described by numerous lawyers and barristers and you've heard the clips on this podcast before so austria my word dear oh dear so that's why you needed to nip this in the bud our second top story here today this is from the mail online 2nd of february of this year lockdowns school closures and limiting gatherings only reduced covid mortality by 0.2 percent at enormous economic and social costs study fines. So if anyone says to you, lockdown save lives, you can say, well, they're about 0.2% on the plus, but they cost lives on all the cancer screenings far greater. So there's the data. It's right there. Um, anyone who is now anti-lockdown, has science, data, as well as common sense on their side. It's all here. You can read it. So I'll read it down for you. Meta-analysis of 24 studies found COVID, as if we didn't know, because Sweden had a comparable rate, and the Florida and Texas, where they don't have any lockdowns, the infection rates are really low as well. So as if we didn't know this through other alternate samples, but now we've got a, an analysis of our own sample here in the UK. So lockdown, school closures and limited gatherings only reduce COVID mortality by 0.2% at all enormous economic and social costs. Yeah, don't forget the cancer screenings and all them people dying as well. Actual cost lives as well. Meta-analysis of 24 studies found COVID lockdown restrictions caused just 0.2% reduction in virus deaths. Economists who carried out reviews said border closures had virtually zero effect on COVID mortality. Uh, when, when it says virtually, the figure is actually 0.1%. However, researchers found closing non-essential shops was most effective intervention, causing 10.6% fall. So, yeah, non-essential shops. Essential shops are big corporations. And they're OK. They're all right. The original coronavirus lockdowns had little to no effect on pandemic death tolls in the US, UK and Europe, a controversial report suggests. Now, why is it controversial? 
Is it controversial because it is inaccurate or is it controversial because it undermines all of the mainstream media television's narratives of the last two years and throw into that mo most of the politicians, world leaders around the world? Is it controversial for that? Or is it controversial because it's inaccurate? If it's accurate, then one must call the actions of all these leaders that were grossly um, counterproductive controversial. And I always said, for the first six months, I can let world leaders off. This was a first in a, a once-in-a-lifetime event, or at least so far. We didn't know what was coming. We didn't know how bad it was. And batten down the hatches, brace for a storm. I can get that mentality. But after six months, it was clear. The data was in this. Lockdowns do nothing, or very little next to nothing. Lockdowns are counterproductive. When all is said and done, lockdowns are counterproductive. It was quite clear after about six months of that. So I don't give any world leaders a pass after the six-month mark. And big shout out to um, the uh, the governor of one of the Dakotas, the lady down there. Is it Christy? I, I, I forget names. Um, who didn't lock down at all. And uh, all their um, constituents uh, thought very highly of her. So let's continue. Oh, and let's not also forget the massive fear-mongering, you know, the lockdown models. And people will say, oh, well, though Neil Ferguson's models, if we hadn't locked down, that's what would have happened. No, look at Florida, look at Texas. The models were wrong. He was wrong. Not for the first time either. Go look at the foot and mouth beforehand. So the review led by a John Hopkins University professor argued that border closures had virtually zero effect on COVID mortality. However, closing non-essential shops would be the most effective intervention, leading to a 10.6% drop in virus fatalities. Their report, which has not been peer-reviewed, said that it was probably due to shutting pubs and restaurants where alcohol is consumed. Again, I've seen reports where it said very few COVID deaths or, or infections even came from the hospitality industry that that article i read out over a year ago so again small school closures were linked to a smaller 4.4 percent decrease the researchers who deal in the field of economics rather than medicine or public health originally identified 18,590 global studies into lockdowns which they claim to have been whittled down to just 24 to answer their research question Critics have accused them of cherry-picking studies to suit their narrative and have raised doubts about the biases of its authors who have been vocal about lockdowns and vaccine mandates on social media. Fair enough. So it looks like these people went into it looking to find something, but I still think that it was there to be found, judging by Florida and Texas. But always, I always like to read out both sides to If there are both sides to a, st a story, sometimes I just read out the articles and I miss things. If you want to read the whole articles for yourself, they are on Beyond the News on Facebook. And Parler and Gab, they're either in the comment section or they're in the uh, comment section of where you're finding this on Spotify or Anchor. So you can read that for yourself. So you get the idea there. Lots of data, lots of graphs um, that you can see for yourself. Um, but there has been a growing consensus that draconian restrictions have led to a rise in non-COVID deaths, th thought to be people whose conditions worsened during the pandemic because they could not access healthcare. In the latest report, the researchers admit their review does not answer why lockdowns didn't achieve their ultimate goal in saving lives, but they float a number of explanations. That is, of course, assuming that the people imposing their mandates really were trying to save lives, but that's for other people. That, that's where I, I just stick to the mainstream here. Throw out a couple of ideas and then let you look at the conspiratorial law angle for yourself while I move on to another article, which is exactly what I'm going to do today. Something a little bit more lighthearted now, because we were talking about small businesses and corporations from that uh, last one here. I love this bloke. You know, I'll, 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 I'd actually love to get this bloke on the, on the show, but for all I know, he'd probably think, that's a conspiracy show. I'm not into that, for all I know. I don't know. Or he might love it. But anyway... Um, it's an old story, but I like it. <laughs> just wanted something a little bit more light-hearted. And, 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 and not just that, but I really love this guy's attitude. And um, so, sing, so this is from BBC June the 27th, 2017. But I just, you know, it's almost five years old, but I, 
Let's add a little bit of light-hearted people power. A shopkeeper who claimed he was threatened with legal action after calling his shop Singsbury's has changed its name to Morrisings. Jell Singh Nagra's shop had no name for five years after he said Sainsbury's complained. How dare they? He can't, that, that, that's his own name. He's incorporating his own name into his shop. How dare the court? That, this is a bullying of the highest. We used to be called a nation of shopkeepers here in Britain, and this wonderful British shop owner should be damn well allowed to use his name in his own shop. Disgusting that he shouldn't be. And I, so I just loved it. Like, you're going to have beef, I'm going to call it Morrisings. Good for you. And there's a picture of him. Mr. Nagra, who commutes 50 miles from Stockton to the shop in Benton Road, spent £350 on a new sign, which he said was a talking point. And that's £350 that, you know, you if his business is money. He's not like the government where they can send uh, track and trace million pound contracts to their mates. It's just a bit of banter and fun. It's not like we get passing trade. We are not stealing customers from supermarkets. It doesn't matter if you are, mate. You've got a right to use your name. Good on you, Mr. Nagra. Or to use your full name again, Jill Singh Nagra. Good for you, mate. I really like that. Sainsbury's has been contacted for comment. Um, in a similar case, Singsbury's local in Aylesbury put its orange sign up, but then removed. Yeah, I can kind of get that point if you're trying to like copyright logos and stuff. <laughs> Which he has. <laughs> All right, Sainsbury's might have a point on the whole font thing, but the right to use his name at that that Singsbury. If I lived in Stockton, I would visit that shop. Absolutely. Anyway, a little bit of fun there. Let's go back to now tracing the money with the whole Neil Young saga, shall we? So I've said before on not just this but a number of issues. Um, I think the example I used before was listening to old podcasts of the theories on ancient Egypt and then knowing someone that went over there and the traditional museum tours of uh, the Egyptians all built it by themselves. They're just not getting any real revenue, whereas the ones that are like taking on the... OK, we're lined up with Orion, lined up with Osiris. We've got the King's Chamber lining to the stars. Um you know, we've got it all on lining up with other sites across the world in straight lines and all that kind of stuff. Um, you've got trigonometry in the Greater Pyramid, um, pi maths and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, not not conspiratorial ideas, just facts. Facts that the mainstream Egyptologists are going, oh, we want to ignore that. Oh, we know we don't know. Well, yes, they're lined up with the stars. It's just a coincidence. Um, I don't know how they knew about wine. They obviously didn't. It was just, you know, just it's offset at a slight angle like the rest of them. They just made an error. It isn't just exactly, you know, do you know what I mean? It's just silly. And there was only so long it could really go on for. And um, what happened in Egypt was, you know, the other the other people just became irrelevant through market forces. No one wanted their tours anymore. They wanted the up-to-date information. They didn't want the information from that was effectively like we 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 said this a hundred years ago, and we're not changing it since. And we've written books about it, and I've got doctorates in it, and we're not changing it now because it's my whole identity. Those sorts of Egyptologists, no one went on their tours, and because, well, I mean, you know, you, when I say no one, the tour, the numbers were hugely down. The that's because the big. Um, you know, your you, you general tourists and all that kind of stuff. Oh, well, what should we do this year? Should we, should we go and visit the Empire State Building or should we go and visit the Great Pyramids? Flip a coin. Those kind of tourists, you know, they they want to see something. They want to go on a holiday. Those will probably still take the mainstream tours and all that kind of stuff. But the people who were actually interested in it, who did their research and other such things, weren't. And you can just imagine them eating in like the... I've never been to Egypt, but I imagine there'd be some sort of... Whenever there's a big tour thing, there's usually a place where you can buy food and sit down with the other tourist people and, you know, mingle and talk about the pyramids and spend money on overpriced confectionery. If I had a shop near that, I absolutely would do the same. So I'm not knocking them. But what I'm saying is those people talk. And after, you know, those two people, look, oh, no, our tour guide didn't mention any of that. And then they go and look in a book and they go, oh, it's all true. He left it all out. There's only so long before those people go back home and go, 
No, don't do the normal one. Do the weird one. Well, actually, it's not weird. It's just well, don't do the uh, don't do the hundred year old one. Do the modern one. That's, that's a better phrase, isn't it? It might sound a little bit weird, but yeah, it's modern, and you looked in all these books, and all the facts are correct. So, and of course, then you go way down the the rabbit hole with ancient Egypt and all that kind of stuff, which uh, which is no need for anyone on a tour to do, but some do, and and they're more likely to do that on the alternative side, obviously. But how that translates to it. And, and of course, Joe Rogan was one of the big people pushing that out. You know, a lot of people listen to his podcast with a, uh, John um, Anthony John West. A lot of people listen to his podcasts with um, Randall, was it Carson, and uh, Dr. Graham Hancock. A lot of people listen to a lot of people to listen to those people in their own rights. And when you are actually interested in that subject, those are the people you go to. Not the ancient music, not the museums that are spilling the lines of a hundred years ago. So smart money kind of created that knowledge economy. And it will also do the same with the um, ivermectin, such things, and alternative treatments and the lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. And Joe Rogan will be a big part of that. That's the knowledge aspect of it. The second aspect of it is you've met, have you ever met people in media? Or have you ever seen the behind-the-scenes footage of how they act when the cameras are off? Can you imagine what it's like to be these people who were... I work for, and then insert a three-letter company, NBC, CNN, BBC, whatever, all around the globe, you know. Uh, You know, 20, 30 years ago, ooh, you know, you know, and now it's like... We don't. Can you imagine what it's like for that to be to go from trusted to to mistrusted? That's going to upset them. Can you then imagine people like the Guardian having to beg, like I do at a gig on a bucket collection split? Can you imagine them having to do that with their Guardian articles, where please give us money? You've read these articles. Please give us money. Because no one's buying their paper anymore. Can you imagine being on the BBC Question Time crew, thinking we're going out to 16 million people this week, down to 0.9? We've covered those figures on the show before. Was the upper figure 16? It was big anyway. I can't, down to massive hemorrhage. Um, Can you imagine the BBC? director person looking at losing his subscribers over year year over year over year that's a fact and i do believe it's increasing rate as well isn't it in a country whose general population of the uk goes slightly up year on year on year on year on year at least it seems that way whenever i drive on a motorway they're going to be dejected they're going to be pissed off and they're going to come for their competition. All right? There's a lot of money in advertising revenue. They spend all these money on sets and this and wages and stars and all that kind of stuff. And it's one bloke in a room with a couple of cameras who's getting more views than them combined. Now imagine that... So that was all before COVID. Now imagine that you have to go to work every day and probably about at least by year one, they know they're talking nonsense. And they're probably getting in the street. You know, we don't trust you anymore. And watching all those advertising revenue and watching certain cuts be made because they don't have the money to hire people anymore and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have to go for your competitor if you want to live in the world of media. And if you, if you want to live in the world of branding and brainwashing, you best have the most amount of reach if you're going to do that. And you better definitely have it if you don't have the truth on your side. So what can they do? They could. They tried competing and they lost. Now they've got to try and ban him. And um, again, if I'm going to make another sort of crystal ball prediction. If Spotify ban him, Joe Rogan... And a couple of other people, and I have no inside information whatsoever. I've never met Joe in my life. I'm just making a prediction that comes out of the ether of my mind, the mind fog. 
if Joe Rogan and a couple of other key big names who were pissed off with social media got together and launched their own social media podcast platform combined into one, it would be huge. It would be absolutely huge. A free speech podcast platform. Now, you'd have huge bandwidth costs, but I think Joe, if, if he would get together with his other comedian friends, his other media friends and say, we're going to do a subscription channel, then you're talking. If you go down the David Icke iconic route, quick plug out to them, then you're talking. And I think Spotify knows that. There's a reason they paid him millions upon me. I don't know how many millions it was, but it was millions to go onto their platform. They know his value. And they also know the value of Neil Young. I had to Google who Neil Young was. And he did the song Keep On Rocking In The Free World, which just made me laugh. Keep on rocking in the free world. As long as you agree with me, otherwise I want you banned and censored. Um, the ridiculousness of it. So now let's follow the money. So we're going to go back now to, um, well, we're going to Wikipedia. So 2021. In January 2021, Jimmy Levine sold his producer royalties to Hypnosis, including 259 recordings and his movie production of 8 Mile, which starred Eminem, and 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying. Levine stated that the proceeds generated from the purchase would fund a new high school in Los Angeles as part of the USC Levine and Young Academy. Hypnosis also acquired the catalogue of Fleetwood Mac member Lindsay Buckingham, a 50% stake in the catalogue of Neil Young, all 145 of Shakira's songs and 43 songs produced by Bob Rock. Hypnosis acquired the catalogue of Songwriter, reported 140 million to 150 million. Hypnosis also acquired the catalogue of songwriter Andrew Watt, blah, 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 blah. Let's carry on down to the end. But you get the idea. Sound Garden's mixed in there as well. In October 2021, the Blackstone Group, an alternative investment management company, announced it would partner with Mercedes to invest one billion US dollars to acquire song catalogues and music rights. It also announced that Blackstone would take an ownership stake in Hypnosis Song Management. So, um, that's where it says here, Hypnosis acquired a 50% stake in the catalogue of Neil Young. Just because this is all we're following the money, I'm just breaking it down, bullet points here. And then it said, it also announced Blackstone would take an ownership stake in Hypnosis Song Management. All right, you with me so far? So Neil Young to Hypnosis, Hypnosis to Blackstone. Now we go to a site, wallstreetzen.com. And... We go and have a look into this for yourself. Um, you can find numerous other holdings. So, um, and this is insider buying versus selling. Have Blackstone insiders been buying or selling? So, what type of owners hold Blackstone Inc. stock? So, read it for you now. International Group Inc. American. It holds. Get this number: six point six six percent. It's Vanguard Group Incorporated own 5.8%, BlackRock Inc. 4.43%, Morgan Stanley 2.8%, and then we've got a number of other banks and other such things, who I imagine would have shares in pharmaceutical companies as well, just worth bearing that in mind. So we've now looked at Neil Young to Hypnosis, Hypnosis to Blackstone, Blackstone to the shareholders of Blackstone. And we now go to Blackstone.com, following the trail along. I hope you're keeping in line with this. This is how a magician does his tricks. You know where you look over here and um, the magician's pulling the, something out of a hat or whatever? I hope it's not a rabbit. I love animals and I don't really like that trick. But they're pulling something out of a hat. Um, or, but, or sometimes what they're doing is the magician's doing all the, the you know, well, this has got to get the trick there. Uh, but his lovely assistant is flashing her her, 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 her lovely looking bits in a family presented audience way. You know, they're, they're, the presenter's usually wearing 
you know, it's not something a stripper would wear, but it's, you know, showgirly, isn't it? It's showy. It's, you know, and she's usually quite attractive and all that kind of stuff. So she usually does stuff to get people's attraction while the magician needs to just oh, look the other way. Distraction technique. But that's how it's done. A magician does its tricks. Look over here. The magic's done over there. Uh, it's the same with finances. You follow the money and got it down here. So Blackstone.com Pfizer partnership. In 2012, BXLS entered into partnership with Pfizer and SFJ Pharmaceuticals Inc. for the funding, design and execution of... Anyway, blah, 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 blah. You can see what it's all there for yourself. But I've just followed the money for you there. And, yeah, I think you can do the rest of the social math there for yourselves. Moving on to our next story here. So the sources I've used there are available for you to go and look at things for yourself. Always check what I say. I'm not infallible. In Canada, I just wanted to give this a quick plug now. The This is gofundme.com forward slash F forward slash taking dash back dash our dash freedom dash convoy dash 2022 and a load of other stuff. Um, but the link can be found wherever you're reading, finding this podcast, I'd imagine. If not, go to Spotify or Anchor or something like that. We'll have it on there. I just wanted to give a plug for the Freedom Convoy of the Canadian truckers. They've now reached uh, over 10 million Canadian dollars. Um, I would be... Here's my two questions. Um, one... How much did Justin Trudeau's party raise in the same period? Two, how long does that money last? Because I've seen figures that say it could last between two and four years. It was enabled to keep them in money and food and everything like that to be able to surround it. I don't think Trudeau's got two to four years to sort this out. So what does Trudeau do? Going hard militarily. The Canadians are not, uh, a friendly people, but they can be... They can be vicious when provoked, <laughs> I think. Um, this is going to be very interesting. Second point I would like to make. If all your truckers are all over the place, what's that going to do to the food supplies of a nation? Third point I'd like to make is, I do think we're having our resources restricted around the world. Um, we're getting huge energy hikes, energy price hikes in here in the Britain. Uh, completely unjustifiable. And there's already a few food shortages. If truckers around the world did to support this, this would bring the world's food supply to its knees if all truckers around the world decided to do this. It would bring every sort of supply to its knees, really, let's be honest. And um, that, again, could be used by people in power to say these the, the people are dying as a result. Do you know what I mean? You've got to be careful on that. I agree with them 100%, support them 100%, and it's great to see people standing up and taking action. Just be aware of certain consequences, and those consequences could be played by vicious, devious uh, political operatives, of which I have no doubt Trudeau, from what I've seen, fits that bill. But this needs to be done to any prime minister who said his citizens hold unacceptable beliefs. They, you know, he said that. I've seen the, I've, I heard that he said it. Now I've seen it. I'll see if I can dig out the clip for you. I've seen it. Un these truckers hold unacceptable beliefs. Yeah, when you say peaceful protesters of unacceptable beliefs, you may as well just move to North Korea. And of course, Justin Trudeau is on record as saying he admires the Chinese for their style of dictatorship. So, just a quick plug out to the truckers. I wanted to be aware of its consequences that could be manipulated by him but good for them um, there are going to be some consequences bad for this but I think the good outweighs it in my humble opinion and uh, I think playing that scenario down it, it's going to end when the Canadian Mounted Police say no and at the moment for the videos I've seen they're not saying that so um, but the, it ends in a variety of ways, but it's game over if the police say no, if the Mounties say no. For Trudeau, that is. Game over for him. So, express.co.uk, and this is 8th of January, 
Doctors and scientists urge caution in giving COVID jabs to low-risk children. More than 30 doctors, scientists and MPs have signed a joint letter to the government's vaccine watchdog urging it to reassess the COVID vaccine rollout for healthy 12 to 15-year-olds following new data showing potentially serious harms of the jab are likely to outweigh any potential benefits. By the way, have you seen all the mainstream media uh, articles about this will give you a heart attack, this will cause a stroke, this will give you myocarditis all in the last few months or so? Everything, uh, energy bills, climate change. What else? Um, oh, it's, it's it's. I thought it was a meme at first. I thought, but but it really isn't. Uh, no wonder the mainstream media are hemorrhaging viewers. Oh, yeah. oh, that was it in Canada, shoveling snow. <laughs> Have you been to Canada, mate? They've been shoveling snow since there were people in Canada, and that in itself. How long the Europeans were there is a debate. Was it Columbus? Was it the? Um, Knights Templar was it Henry Sinclair was it the uh, the other one the Vikings even you know who knows There's, you know you can go and look at that stuff for yourself uh, just a, throwing a little funny sort of curveball out there for you in the midst of all this children getting heart attacks which is obviously horrendous but why should the MP why should our government UK government listen to 30 doctors, scientists and MPs when the JCVI already said, don't do it. And they went, well, you're the commission on vaccines, aren't you? You're the experts. Yeah, well, overall, you jab those kids. So good on those 30 doctors. Makes sense. But again, play this scenario out. This can only go on for so long before those 30. Here's a real life situation as probably is playing out. I don't know any of these people, but I think this is a realistic scenario. One of them doctors, all the rest of the doctors and nurses around him go, go on, you do it. I'm not, I don't want to do it. You do it then. And they're quietly really supportive of him. Go on, you've got to say something. You've got to say something. Yeah, I've got, I've got kids. I don't want to get, I don't, I don't want to stick my, oh, but, but Dr. So-and-so over there, oh, he hates the government. He'll say it. Let's keep our heads down and let him put his head up to be shot. Um, but quietly support him, you know. What happens when the government went, we heard what you say, screw you and uh, screw the JCVI as well. Like, like they've more or less said. In, in obviously much more diplomatic, political, kind words. We're going to give some of your kids heart attacks to the point that they die. But we're going to do it really lovingly. In a really calm, political voice. That NLP language. And if you don't like it, we're going to call you kooks. Conspiracy theorists. So here's how that situation will roll out. The other doctors and nurses will go, what? Hold on, what, they didn't do anything with the letter? And then that festers for about six months and they start to see maybe a kid die or get some, you know, and I'm not saying these are going to happen to everyone. The adverse reactions are, you know, they're a small percentage. I'll happily admit that. But you tell that to a pair, grieving parents who've just watched their uh, 12 to 15 year old die an extremely painful heart attack and you stroke right in front of them. Is that uh, even a thing? Hi Basically dead. They drop dead right in front of them. That's not going to, you know, that's a bad day for those parents. Now, you wait till those parents get angry and they start having to go to the doctors and the doctors are like, uh, yeah, I don't want to give these jabs anymore. And the doctors then go and join with the original doctor that was headstrong. That 30 within a year turns to 300. In another year, if it's not turned around, it turns to 3,000. Right? That that's how this is going to work out. It's going to be slow, but it's going to be steady. And that's what caused the end of these mandates and things. A slow but steady build-up, in the UK at least. And it's looking like they're going to end it in Canada. From what I understand, that is all about, from the videos I've seen, on, you know, just people in their phones that are there. And it looks like it's there, but it's just a video on a phone. I didn't take it, but it looks like it's... They've got Canadian accents and it's snowing. I'm going to assume... And, and the people they're talking to have got Royal Canadian Mounted Police on their thing. So I'm going to assume... It's not a huge movie for uh, set with a huge cast or Photoshop. I'm going to assume it's real footage. From what it seems, the truckers are all about the vaccine mandates. And they got to the point that the Canadian man people said, well, maybe something. And they're saying, no, drop them. We don't do not trust our government. We have no faith in you. And, we're, we're, and they've just gone through roadblocks of the Royal Canadian Mounted Peace. What can you do with that number of trucks, tractors? You know, and I've seen videos where the police sort of boxed in some truckers so that more of the thousands of trucks just boxed in the police. Uh, there's, you know, that's, um, we'll keep an eye on that Canadian trucker situation thing. 
But this is the point. We've reached that point where I, this is how I kind of break down COVID. COVID is like 2022, what's going on? 2021 was what's going on isn't that bad. We don't need all these restrictions. And let's jab everyone to get it going. 2022 will be the year of um, I'm not getting any more jab. All the lockdowns are bad. And we're coming to the fruition that if countries down around the world don't see that, they need to be removed peacefully and lawfully. Those, you know, I think they'll do that in Austria. Well, I don't know. I don't know any Austrians. You know, for all I know, the Austrian, that 73% uh, vaccinated, uh, might be outside the homes of the unvaccinated, calling for them to be put up a wall and shot for all I know. But in the UK, it was, you know, the NHS was where it went. That was that was what broke the government's back. But they're still going to try passports. They're still going to do it for voluntary systems. They're going to try carrots instead of sticks now. And then they're going to get the system in place where you can only use it on certain things. So, oh, well, no, 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 no. You, we're not going to make you lose your job if you're a doctor or nurse and you don't take the vaccine. But yes, none of the banks are offering you bank accounts. So we can't pay you your money, I'm afraid. Um well, no, we can't do cash, and oh, no, check, but no one does a check in years anyway. And besides, you don't have a bank account, so where are you going to pay the check into? That I'm not making a prediction. I'm just saying that's the kind of this direction I think I see these tyrants going. Carrots at first, and then exclusionary type things, you know. And what will happen there? New banks will come up. When those new banks will come up, the old banks will come up and call the new banks, I don't know, racist or um, sexist or bigoted or something smirk them right wing smirk them anything like that or they might just do like a false flag um, financial dealing but you know oi get dodgy bob to go over there do business with them has dodgy bob done business with them right go to the papers dodgy bob here's money go and tell them that you love those people and they, they all these do you know what i mean a hit piece like that um because the media will do it because the banks that will be losing the customers are their prime revenue service. Money makes the world go round, but we know this. I'm just exploring different scenarios of what I think I see coming in Britain right now. And um, they're not predictions, they're probability scenarios. Speaking of probability scenarios, you often need data to do that. And this is from the BMJ. COVID-19 vaccines and treatments, we must have raw data now. Data should be fully and immediately available for public scrutiny. In the pages of the BMJ a decade ago, in the middle of the different pandemic, oh, this is dated the 19th of January of 2022. Uh, in the middle of different, it came to light that governments around the world have spent billions stockpiling antivirals of, for influenza that had not been shown to reduce the risk of complications, hospital admissions or death. The majority of trials that underpinned regulatory approval and government stockpiling of Tamiflu were sponsored by the manufacturer. Most were unpublished. Those that were published were ghostwritten by writers paid by the manufacturer. The people listed as principal authors lacked access to the raw data and the academics who requested access to the data for independent analysis were denied. The Tamiflu saga heralded a decade of unprecedented attention to the importance of sharing clinical trial data. Public battles for drug company data, transparency campaigns with thousands of signatures, strengthened journal data sharing requirements, explicit commitments from companies to share data, new data access, website portals and landmark transparency policies from medicines regulators all promised a new era in data transparency. Progress was made, but clearly not enough. The errors of the last pandemic are being repeated. Memories are short. I, that's the one word I disagree with. Memories are not short. They're bad people using the same trick book again and they're going to keep doing it till they get caught. And when they get caught, they'll apologise, leave it a couple of years and do it again. Uh, today, despite the global rollout of COVID-19 vaccines and treatments, the anomalised participant level data underlying the trials for these new products remain inaccessible to doctors, researchers and the public. And there are likely to remain that way for years to come. This is morally indefensible for all trials, but especially for those involving major public health interventions. Unacceptable delay. Pfizer's pivotal COVID vaccine trial was funded by the company and designed, run, analysed and authored by Pfizer employees. Oh, you can trust those guys. They were, they, 
it's not like they're up to their neck in scandals. They're good people. The company had the contract research organisations that carried out to the trial. It's not like the, the, there was a problem with 2008. It's not like there's a problem with the whole Tamiflu. You know, and Pfizer indicated that it will not begin entertaining requests for trial data until May 2025, 24 months after the primary study completion date, which listed on clinicaltrials.gov as 15th of May 2023. The lack of access to data is consistent across vaccine manufacturers. Moderna says data may be available with publication of the final study results in 2022. So it might be available in 2022, but keep taking it till then. They, yeah, we don't, we're not going to tell you what's in it or what it does to you. And we won't know until 2022, maybe. But jab your 12 to 15 year old with it. As of 1st of December 2021, AstraZeneca may be ready to entertain requests for data from several of its last phase three trials, but actually obtaining data could be slow going. As its website explains, timelines vary per request and can take up to a year upon full submission of requests. To be fair to AstraZeneca, a year is much better than the 55 years in the United States with the FOIA request that we've read out before. So um, anyway, you get the idea. This is the British Medical Journal pissed off that's my take on it you want us to jab people and take it to keep our jobs or at least it they did when this was written and you're not telling us what's in it the FOIA requests of 55 years time and the data was done by its own people who had the profit margins and it was rushed through and you're still not telling us what's in it now or giving us the real data of what's happening this is unacceptable uh, that's how that's my opinion of what that BMJ is saying and there's only so lot that is not one doctor writing that do you know what I mean that is the British Medical Journal several doctors would have that would have been bounded around by several people before it's put there and that whole idea do we go public this beforehand that would have been bounded around by even more there people are starting to question this stuff and um, TNC News I'm not I'm yeah, I'm not familiar with this source, so take it with a pinch of salt. Um, but I just wanted to sort of keep up to date with what's going in Canada. I say up to date, this is January the 19th by Ellie Cantin Natel. PCQ claims Quebec's top doctor quit over COVID measures. He's called BS, only he didn't use the word, letters BS, he used the word. Conservative Party of Quebec has alleged that the province's former top doctor, Horatio Arunda, resigned because leg out controversial tax on the unvaccinated was a bs covid measure um yes i heard something about that like tax that they were doing like an austrian style thing i'll have to look into more of that but um yeah the past about clip dating back to october 2020 a clip he says he would resign if ever he felt covid government's covid19 measures were bs so um there's the clip there you can listen to it did he follow through with it or was it another reason I don't, I don't have the answer, and so I'm not going to. And I don't have enough data to make a speculation. Just wanted to make you aware that he said those things and then a bit a year or so later resigned. Many, many reasons people resign. Was it that? Don't know. Daily Mail now. World's richest 10 men have more than doubled their fortunes from 500 billion to 1.1 trillion during COVID pandemic reports. Yeah, that's because you... Sh kept every Sainsbury's open and shut down every Singsbury's. I've done a rather generalisation sweeping statement there, but you get the idea, right? Everyone's buying off Amazon. Now, the, when you have corporations making that degree of money, 1.1 trillion, that buys a lot of marketing, that buys a lot of advertising, hell, <laughs> that buys a lot of uh, musicians' funds, judging by what we saw on the Wikipedia earlier with the whole Blackstone thing. That buys you a lot of media, advertising and media personalities that will say what you want them to say. And if lockdown has doubled their money and you can say to people, lockdown, you know, lockdowns are good for people. It saves lives. Obviously, we know it doesn't in the net cost benefit analysis. But you can pay a lot of people to say a lot of incorrect information to keep that lockdown going in a lot of countries. And you can continue to make a lot of money. And then you can spend that money doing the same thing again for the next year. And part of that 
information will be to ridicule and call um, a whole spectrum of insults, all the way from your killing granny to your conspiracy theorist for anyone that's anti-lockdown. So bear that in mind. That's a lot of money that could uh, buy a lot of marketing that could be coming our way. Again from the mail, new HIV super strain is found in the Netherlands. And it's uh, just doing its little advert thing. Oh, you'll be pleased to hear, any listeners of the show, I bought a new mouse and it works perfectly. I'm very happy with that. Anyway, so uh, where are we? Let's get it there. Now, do you remember me reading out on the show that in Australia they had trials of their Australian vaccine? Do you remember me reading out why they knocked their vaccine on the head? why there isn't a vaccine coming out of Australia and they're porting it in from the other makers. It's because their vaccine ended up giving a load of people HIV positive test results. Now, please note I've said HIV positive test results. I looked into it further. They didn't get HIV. And that's as much as I knew or understood. It was like this weird thing that just popped out of nowhere and it just popped into my head when I heard this story from about a year ago. And then you had Francis Boyle saying about the whole um, HIV insertion on the molecule of it or something like that. And that, you know, him echoing the statements that came out of India before they retracted them, that that kind of stuff. So I just thought it a little bit odd and I thought I'd just bring it up. So um, new HIV super strain is found in the Netherlands. Highly infectious variant makes people ill twice as quickly and has been spotted in at least 109 people. VB variant has infected 109 people, the majority of whom are in the Netherlands. The strain damages the immune system twice as fast as other variants of virus. Treatment leads to similar su- treatment leads to survival rates similar to those infected with other strains. A new supermutant HIV strain that makes infected individuals ill twice as fast as current versions of the virus has been detected in the Netherlands. The new mutant, called the VB variant, has infected at least 109 people, according to a study by Oxford University. The strain damages those immune system and weakens a person's ability to fight everyday infections and disease faster than previous versions of the virus. Blimey. I bet the red lights drift in Amsterdam seen a drop off in uh, custom when this news gets out. Ironically, they'll probably be one of the safest people because they're the most tested and use the most protection, aren't they? Who knows? The VB variant also has a viral load between 3.5 and 5.0 times higher than the current strain, meaning infected people are more likely to transmit the virus to others. I'm assuming that's still in the traditional HIV sense. However, after starting treatment, those with the variant have a similar immune system recovery and survival rate to those infected with other HIV strains. But the researchers warn the rapid health decline after catching VB means early detection and treatment is critical. Britons are advised to get tested for HIV and other STDs at least once a year, while men who have sex with men are advised to get tested every three months. More than 100,000 Britons and 1 million Americans are thought to be living with HIV. So I just thought it's interesting this springs up at this time. Am I forming a connection? No. Um, Is it entirely possible that in a year's time I'll be looking at this with an explanation that has nothing to do with that weird stuff in Australia? Probably. I just thought, that's a little odd, and I thought I'd bring it to your attention. Why now? It's also possible, I'm not an expert, that they go... Or at least why now in the news? Because there could be other people that um, pop up and say there's new strains every day of HIV. Because I'm not an HIV expert, I don't know. In which case, the question would then come into, all right, why is, why go from why is a new strain developing to why is a new strain being put all over the mainstream media would be by question if that data came into my hands. So GB News, Neil Oliver, world leaders think the unvaccinated are next door to idiots, racists and misogynists. Um, do you remember those magic eye pictures? Anyway, it's a nice video for you to have a look. I quite, I just wanted to really sort of plug Neil Oliver really on um, GB News. Some good stuff to listen to, uh, that one, in my opinion. Elect, uh, this is from BBC News Now, 28th of December of 2021. Alexa tells 10-year-old girl to touch live plug with Penny. The suggestion came after the girl asked Alexa for a challenge to do. Plug in phone charger about halfway into wall socket, then touch a penny to the exposed prongs, the smart speaker said. 
Amazon said it fixed the error as soon as the company became aware of it. The girl's mother, Kristin Levada, described the incident on Twitter. Open letter to the BMJ again. We'll end on this one. Researcher blows the whistle on data integrity issues in Pfizer's vaccine trial. Can't remember if I mentioned this before. I think I did, but it was really important. 2nd November 2021. But what they're really taking a uh, pop here at is, hey, Facebook, let free debate happen because that's science. I think that's the gist of it. But you can read the whole article for yourselves. Um, I hope I've done them uh, justice on that one. So thus concludes our 74th episode of Beyond the News. Thank you very much for listening to us. To join our Telegram group at Beyond the News Gym, our Facebook page, Beyond the News. We're also on Gab and Parler. I'm going to be bringing, hopefully, doing lots more guests over the coming months. And you can always let me know your feedback. Did you like the pick of the pods that I did for Christmas? I'll probably do that next Christmas as well. It's a way to put content out without me having to really do that much. I quite like that. Um, so, yeah, Christmas is all about giving the voice a rest. And the voice has been rested and I've come back full of energy. And uh, thank you very much for listening here today.